All right, so Ephesians chapter 2, looking at verses 1 to 10, starting in verse 1. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work and the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Well, back in 1955, the Welsh Baptist pastor, Martin Lloyd-Jones, preached one of his most influential sermons, and he only preached on two words. Now, I'm not going to do that this morning, but the two words that he preached on are found in our passage at the beginning of verse 4. His sermon was called, But God. And this is what Lloyd-Jones said in that sermon. These two words, but God, in and of themselves, in a sense, contain the whole gospel. The gospel tells of what God has done, God's intervention, and it is something that comes entirely from outside us and displays to us that wondrous and amazing and astonishing work of God, which the apostle goes on to describe and to define in the following verses. What Lloyd-Jones was saying here is that the entire gospel is, in a sense, bound up in that little conjunction, but God. Salvation is entirely a work of God. Salvation is by grace and grace alone. There's nothing more fundamental for us to understand, nothing more basic than what we see in these verses. And yet, while they're simple and clear, we sometimes find ourselves in a place where we doubt our salvation or in a place where we feel like we have to do things in order to gain God's favor or to do things so that we don't lose our salvation. And Paul makes very clear in this chapter of Ephesians that we contribute nothing to our salvation. It is entirely by grace. 
He's reminding the Ephesians of the grace of God towards them so that they would be amazed and astonished by what God has done. And so in this sermon, I've I've divided it into three different sections. Um, In verses one to three, we will see who we were, who we were. In verses four to nine, we will see what God has done. And in verse 10, we will see who we are now, who we were, what God has done, and who we are now. And the main point, what I hope you see in the text, is that you should be amazed by God's grace in salvation and walk in the good works that he has prepared for you. Be amazed by God's grace in salvation and walk in the good works he has prepared for you. So remember, Paul, uh, as he's been writing this letter, he began it by praising God for all those spiritual blessings that we have in Christ, right? His choosing us before the foundation of the world, adopting us as sons and daughters for redeeming us and and forgiving our sin through the blood of Jesus, for the glorious inheritance that we have coming our way, for the sealing of the Spirit. And this has led Paul to, and he's inviting us to praise the God who has blessed us with every blessing in the heavenly places. And then, as we saw last week, as he's praising God, as he's encouraging us to praise God for all of these things, he is moved to pray to pray for the Ephesians that the Spirit would help them know God better. And specifically, that they would know the hope to which God has called them. That they would know that they are God's inheritance and to know the immeasurable greatness of God's power at work in their lives. That same power that raised Christ from the dead is at work in those who believe. And so as we turn and look at these opening 10 verses in chapter 2, we not only see the immeasurable greatness of God's power, but we're also going to see the immeasurable riches of God's grace. And as Paul is celebrating the grace of God and the, the lives of these Ephesian believers, he begins by describing what life was like without Christ, who they were, who we were without Jesus. Because if we're ever going to understand the greatness of the gospel, if we're ever going to understand the true grace of God, the true love of God and what he has done for us, then we have to understand the awfulness and the ugliness of who we are without Jesus. What we are by nature. We're never going to understand the gospel or the grace of God in Christ if we don't come to terms with this. Especially since we live in a day where everyone thinks that you need to know how wonderful you are. And they're telling you that you deserve so much And yet the Bible says the complete opposite. We will see in verse 3 that 
everyone deserves the wrath of God. That's what we deserve. And yet, we, we see in these three verses, the Apostle Paul lays out who we were, but he isn't doing this to be a downer. He's not doing this to make people feel bad, but to remind us of reality, to remind us of what is actually true so that we can see the amazing grace that God shows sinners like us. Look at verse one. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Paul is talking about the Ephesians' lives before they believed in Jesus. And yet he's not only talking about the Ephesians here. In verse 3, he says, we all once lived. He includes himself. And so Paul is talking about the past lives of all of us who now believe in Jesus. And notice what he says. He, He says that it's not that we were just sick and we needed medicine or that we had just taken a wrong turn and all that was needed was to get back on the right path. No, Paul is saying that without Jesus, we are flatlined, unresponsive, dead. That's the condition of anyone who doesn't believe in Jesus. By nature, we are dead in our sins and trespasses. Now, when the Bible speaks about death here, it's talking about spiritual death, separation from God, dead to spiritual things and having no desire for the things of God. Remember, in the the garden, God gave Adam one thing not to do, the command to not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God said, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And and what he meant by that is that Adam and everyone in him, meaning all of us, all of us who come from Adam are going to die spiritually. And that spiritual death is going to lead to physical death. And that physical death is going to lead to eternal death. And what Paul is saying here is that this is the condition that we were born with by nature, the sin nature that we inherited from Adam. And it makes us born separated from God, dead in our sins and unable to do anything good. We're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we are sinners. We are born in sin, and our sin has separated us from God, and it has made us spiritually helpless. There's nothing that we can do to save ourselves. That's why Paul writes here that we were dead. Dead people cannot will themselves to live, and we forget this. It's easy to forget who we once were apart from Jesus. And so it's good for us to think back to who we were before the Lord brought us from death to life. We were unable to help ourselves. 
unable to see the amazing truths in the gospel, unable to trust in Jesus. Pastor John Stott says that those who are dead in their sins and trespasses are blind to the glory of God and deaf to the voice of the Holy Spirit. They are as unresponsive to God as a corpse. And notice what, how Paul describes this. He says that you were dead in your sins and trespasses in which you once walked. We were the walking dead. Probably not many of you have watched the, the TV show because you're way more sanctified than I am. <laughs> but I'm sure you've seen a commercial. Uh, you understand the concept of zombies. If you think about it, that is what the world around us is like. Everyone who is not in Christ is a dead man, woman, or child walking. Walking and living in constant rebellion against God. That's who we were. It's good for us to be reminded of who we once were. And it's good for our evangelism as well. When we are reminded that those around us who don't know Jesus are dead. While they may look like they are physically alive, spiritually, they are dead. They're dead in their sins. And they're heading to hell. And they need the gospel. And so hopefully the reminder of our condition and their condition will urge us to share the gospel with them. And notice what Paul says here in verse 2. He says, You were dead in your sins and trespasses in which you once walked, following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air. Paul talks about three things that we were slaves to when we were dead in our sins and trespasses. The world, the flesh, and the devil. Some people call that the unholy trinity. He says that we followed the course of the world. Before knowing Christ, the way that we lived our lives was influenced by the culture around us. Our preferences, the way we thought, and our habits were shaped by the world. We followed the course of the world. And Paul also says that we followed the prince of the power of the air. This is clearly a reference to Satan. He is the one who is at work in the sons of disobedience. Satan is out to steal, kill, and destroy. And yet, for most of us, we never really thought that we were under the influence of Satan or, or that we were following him. But we were. We were. He is the great deceiver. He tempts people with lies. And he causes people to doubt the truth of God's word. He's been doing this ever since the Garden of Eden. And so everyone who does not believe in Jesus is following Satan and a slave to him, whether they know it or not. We followed the world, the devil, and Paul not only mentions these outside influences, he also says in verse 3 that we lived in the passions of our flesh, 
doing things for our own satisfaction, fulfilling the desires of our bodies and minds with sin and rebellion. We once were slaves to a worldly culture, to the devil and to our fleshly cravings, and we liked it that way. And Paul also says that God himself was our enemy. In verse 3, he writes, And we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. There is not one person in this world who does not deserve the wrath and punishment of God. We all deserve God's wrath. If we forget this, then we will not truly understand the greatness of what God has done for us. I don't deserve the mercy and love of God. You don't deserve the mercy and love of God. We were desperately in need of salvation and yet totally incapable of saving ourselves. We were dead in our sins and trespasses, walking in sin and rebellion, following the world, the flesh, and the devil, and by nature, children of wrath. That's who we were. And now as we look to verses 4 to 9, we will see what God has done. Look at verse 4. But God. These are some of the most beautiful words in all the scriptures. One theologian, John Gerstner, said something like, it's wonderful that the words are but God, because if the words were and God, it would mean judgment for us. But here, Paul says, but God, despite who we were, the bad news is that you cannot save yourself. The good news is that you don't have to, because God did it all. And right away, Paul gives us two reasons why God saved us. Again, look at verse four. But God being rich in mercy. There is no end to his mercy. He is rich in mercy. He is rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. God loves us with a great love, a steadfast love. God's love is so great that he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And it says here that he loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses. Paul is pointing us back to verse one. We were separated from God and incapable of saving ourselves. Dead people cannot try harder. Dead people cannot change themselves. They cannot help themselves. And in Romans 5.8, Paul says this, God shows his love. God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And here in verse 5, he essentially says the same thing. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. 
by grace you have been saved. The grace that brings life comes to us at the very time where we are dead in sin. That's grace. God's grace is greater than all our sin. And it says here that he made us alive. That's what God does when he saves sinners. He makes dead people live. There's some analogies that some people like to use about salvation, like someone's on their deathbed and the doctor has come in and he's got this medicine and all you really need to do is just grab the medicine, to take the medicine. Or or another one is a man is thrown off a boat and he cannot swim and he's treading water and God has thrown the life preserver to him, but it's up to him to grab on to the life preserver. But those analogies do not present the biblical view of salvation. Because what we see here is that we were dead. We were not just sick in need of medicine or drowning, needing to to grab onto the life preserver. No, we were dead. We were corpses in the grave. We were already drowned and decomposing at the bottom of the ocean. And yet, because of God being rich in mercy, and the great love with which he loved us, he made us alive in Christ. If you are a Christian today, it's because you have experienced a resurrection. A resurrection from spiritual death to spiritual life. And that this links us up to what Paul said about the power earlier. That same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that raised you from the dead. And it's raised you up and seated you up with him in the heavenly places. God has raised us from the dead and made us alive. We were dead and now we are alive. Some people ask, Does God still do miracles? Yes. Every time someone believes in Jesus, a dead person is made alive. What's more miraculous than that? And then in verse five, Paul inserts, by grace you have been saved. You have been saved. That's a completed act in the past. You cannot lose it. And in verse six, we have Paul saying, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ. Get this, this is crazy. What Paul is saying here is that because of our union with Jesus, because we are united to Jesus, because we are in him, that whatever has happened to him has happened to us. And and so when Jesus came out of the tomb, We came out of the tomb because we have been chosen before the foundations of the world in Jesus, in Christ, in union with him. And so when he ascended into heaven and is seated, this is crazy, guys. Paul says here 
that because we are in Christ, we have also been raised up and are seated with him. Do you know where you are sitting? Well, you're sitting in this old church building in Elgin, Illinois. But because of the grace of God, you are also sitting with Jesus right now in heaven. You are united to him. And so where he sits, you sit. And so Paul is asking the Ephesians here, he's asking us the same thing. Do you realize what God has done for you? Look at verse 7. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Here Paul is giving us a glimpse what's going to happen in the future. In the coming ages, God is going to continually show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us who are in Christ. God saves sinners in order to display his marvelous grace. We are a living testimony that God is merciful even to sinners like us. And so for all eternity, he is going to display the immeasurable riches of his grace. And Paul continues, look at verse eight. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Paul is constantly returning to this theme of grace because he wants us to understand that there is absolutely nothing that we have done to earn the salvation that God freely gives in Christ. Grace is the undeserved kindness of God, giving us what we don't have and what we don't deserve. He says you have been saved through faith and this is not your own doing, it's the gift of God. Not even the faith that God requires of you is a work that you can bring to God. It's a gift from him. And to be clear, faith doesn't save anyone. Faith is just the instrument. It is Jesus Christ who saves sinners through faith. Salvation is only by grace alone. Paul says it's not your own doing. Sometimes Christians can think, think things like prayer and, and Bible reading, that those types of things can contribute to their salvation, but they don't. Salvation is not your own doing. Paul says it is the gift of God. Our salvation, not only our faith, our salvation, everything is a gift of God to us. We didn't earn it, and we certainly didn't deserve it. It's not a result of works. Jesus gives this parable in Luke 18, and he says that two men went to the temple to pray, and one of them was a Pharisee, and the other was a tax collector, and, and the Pharisee prayed like this. He said, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, un unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give 
tithes of all that I get. See, the Pharisee boasted in himself and his works. He says, I fasted twice a week. I gave my tithes. Lord, I'm not like those other people. And we can fall into the same danger of thinking that our church attendance or our giving or our knowledge of the Bible contributes. And then Jesus says this about the tax collector. He said the tax collector, he stood far off. He wouldn't even lift his eyes to heaven. And he beat his breast and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus says, I tell you, the man, the tax collector, went down to his house justified rather than the other. Oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner. That's the only thing that we can do in coming to God. It's to say, oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner. There's no boasting in ourselves and salvation. We were dead. Dead people cannot save save themselves. We were opposed to God and deserving of his wrath. We were not good enough. Friends, living right doesn't save you. Doing good doesn't save you. Getting baptized doesn't save you. Going to church doesn't save you. Giving money doesn't save you. Paul says, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works. We can't even take credit for believing in Jesus. All the glory belongs to God. Our only boast should be in Jesus Christ. We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And so if someone asks you, why are you saved? The only answer that we can truly give them is that I am saved by the grace of God alone. We have seen who we were. We see what God has done. And lastly, we see what we are now. Look at verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So we're not saved by works, but what we see here is that we were saved for good works. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Have you ever seen those videos on YouTube or Facebook where someone takes that that junky, old, rusted item, and they put it through some sort of like chemical bath, and then they start polishing it up, and it, it looks like it did when it was brand new or even better than that. Well, that's what Paul is trying to communicate here to the Ephesians. God takes us, and he restores us. We are his workmanship. We're like works of art to him. And he creates us in Christ and makes us more and more like Jesus for good works. And so what's the mark? What's the evidence 
that someone has been raised into newness of life. Good works. James says, faith without works is dead. Good works are not the, the root of our salvation, but they should be the fruit of it. There's no coasting in the Christian life. We don't just sit back and say, yep, I'm saved by grace and grace alone. There's nothing for me to do in response to that. Now, we have been created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so we don't do ministry to save ourselves. We do it in response to what God has done to walk in what he has already prepared for us. Remember the passage began with our walking, right? We were dead in our sins and trespasses in which we once walked. Began with our walking according to the influences of the world, following Satan and indulging in the flesh. Look at how it ends. With us walking in good works, the good works that God planned when he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. Now, what are these good works? Right, because I think we have a lot of ideas of what they could be. But they're things like loving God, like loving our neighbor, practicing humility, and counting others more significant than ourselves, having the mind of Christ, and then there's also a world that needs to be reached by the gospel. And so preaching the good news of the gospel is walking in the good works that God has prepared beforehand. Our old manner of life was apart from Christ, walking in sin and unrighteousness. But our new manner of life in Christ is walking in obedience to God and his word. What an amazing passage of scripture. And we've just skimmed the surface this morning. So I encourage you to dig into it more this week. But I hope you remember who we were. We were dead in our sins and helpless. Hope you also remember what God has done. Though we were dead, he made us alive and he did this because of the riches of his mercy and because of the great love with which he loved us. And also remember who we are now. We are God's workmanship. We are saved by the grace of God and created in Christ Jesus for good works. We are saved to serve. And if you're here this morning and you aren't a Christian, I just want to be brutally honest with you. This means that you are dead in your sins and trespasses. And the wrath of God is upon you. But there is good news. There is a way out from spiritual deadness to spiritual life. And it comes through what Jesus did on the cross by taking our sin upon himself and by dying in our place because we were dead in our sins. And he experienced the wrath of God 
for all of those who would believe in him. And so I pray that God would help you see that who you are without Jesus and that he would help you see your sin and your need for him and that God would give you the gift of faith. The Bible says whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So come to Jesus and experience the new life that only he can give. And if you are a Christian, I think that the application for you this morning is to be amazed at the grace of God in your life because of the riches of his mercy and the great love that he has towards you. We often forget. We need to remember that every blessing that we have in Christ is only because God determined to set his love on us, to rescue us out of sin, and to raise us into a new life in Christ. And he has prepared good works for us to walk in. And so let's walk in them. What what kind of God is this? We deserve wrath. And yet he gives us all of these things. What an amazing God. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Be amazed by God's grace in salvation and walk in the good works that he has prepared for you. Let's pray. O Lord, our God, we thank you for your word. Thank you that even though we were helpless and dead in our sin, you are a God who delights in saving sinners. You are rich in mercy and have loved us with such a great love. Lord, we pray that you would help us to know these things more and to think about them often. Continually remind us of who we were and what you have done and who we are now because of what you've done. You have brought us from death to life and you have raised us up and seated us with Jesus in the heavenly places. What grace. Lord, cause these truths to sink down into our hearts. And Lord, would you please remove all desire to trust in our efforts or our works. Help us to understand that our salvation is by grace and grace alone through faith in Christ alone. Help us to be amazed at these things and to never forget them. Help us to grow in our praise to you for what you have done. Help us to walk in the good works that you have prepared for us. And Lord, would you draw those who do not know you to yourself? Continue to bring those who are spiritually dead to spiritual life in Christ. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.